0: This morning will be a sermon not out of Matthew, although Matthew will be part of it, uh, but more a topical sermon and dealing with the idea of, of, of giving and benevolence and how God blesses us and how we're to bless each other. And So I'm going to share this with you this morning. And, and as I do, I have to tell you that, that one of the, at least for me, Awkward things in preaching is being the pastor who has an income from the church and preaches on this subject, and and so uh, uh, bear with me as I as I get through this. But what I want to share with you is is a side of 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 giving that I, I hope you will receive as as the personal aspect of it between you between you and God and and your 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 family and and how it works and. And uh, especially in the area of meeting the needs of others. So I titled this sermon, "My Father's Eyes," And the idea that, that was catching me was it went back to a song that was uh, uh, a few couple of decades ago now, probably, but the idea of, of uh, seeing the world through my father's eyes, uh, using his word uh, as my lenses, if you will. To look at the world and try to understand it uh, and see it the way he sees it, so that when I'm walking around, when I'm looking around, or when we are walking around looking around, uh, we see people as God would want us to see them. We we and and occasionally, as a result, you'll find uh, that you you'll run across situations that. God will open your eyes to the Holy Spirit will prompt you. There will be times where you'll realize, "Oh, I, I need to to minister to this person." And it may be just simply going up and saying, "Hi, my name is Bob. I, I, what's your name?" And, and it may not go any further than that. But the fact that you paid attention to someone, I think of of uh, uh, a friend of mine who uh, started. Uh, we were talking and sharing together. We were met together uh, periodically. And uh, we're going through a book together, and one of it was the idea of opening your eyes to what's around you. Uh, uh, maybe you, uh, at lunchtime, and you, and you have a lunchroom that you're in, or you're going to work, or see your fellow employees. And what happened with him was is that something that, that had been bothering him was a homeless person where he would park his car, and then he had to walk uh, a ways to work. This, he would encounter this homeless person almost every day. And clockwork, the homeless person would ask for for money, basically, or, you know, I'm hungry, I need money, this type of thing. And it was the same person. This was kind of like his corner. And uh, God has laid it on my friend's heart as he was going to him this this day, as the guy said, he was hungry. He says, "I can help." And he handed him. He, he was one of these people, very frugal, and with his resources and his money, took a bag lunch every every day. And so he handed the guy his lunch, and said, "You know, blessings. This is not from me. This is from the Lord." And the next day, he actually made. A lunch, an extra lunch. And uh, from that point on until the man stopped showing up, which was a substantial amount of time, my friend took a lunch to him every day. He figured it cost him maybe a couple of bucks at the most a sandwich, a piece of fruit, and a bag of chips. You know, I was, uh, and, and, I looked at that and I thought, you know, I, I'm, it's one of those things where you, you tend to kind of avoid, walk out, go around, uh, try to, you know, and, and his thing, what changed in his heart was he started looking for the opportunities to see people that he could minister to. It was just a change of heart. He wasn't saying that everybody else should have the same change of heart or the same response. All he was saying was this was God, what God was doing in him. And so some of what I'm drawing from is, is coming back from, from our experiences together as we saw some changes in our lives. Um, seeing the world through God's eyes, using His words as our lenses to, to look at the, at the world. And you have to start with the reality that you can't use the Word of God as a lens to look at the world unless you have first allowed the, the Word of God to convict you as a lens looking into your own being, into your soul, and into your heart. And so it begins with the, the reality that there must be a transformation in you for this to take effect. Now, can you be a, a benevolent person, a nice person, a generous person, and not be a Christian? Absolutely. I know people that uh, have done tremendous things. I'm, not, I'm just saying that for us as Christians to do it with the right motive, which we'll see in a moment, is the idea is, is that first God needs to change our heart who we are, and really how we see, as a result, everyone around us being in a way of ministry and, 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 and coming alongside. So there needs to be a transformation. Romans chapter uh, 12 says that we're not to be conformed to the world, but we're to be transformed. And, 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 and it's done by the Word of God, and the idea is to be in the likeness of Christ. Transformed. As we are transformed, it changes our priorities. And, and I think Matthew chapter six it, it talks about seeking first the kingdom of God. You know, my, I, my, uh, the idea of, of, of being obsessed first with seeking all the things that I need to take care of my my day to day needs, uh, whether it's my rent or 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 my car payment or my insurance and stuff like that. And and we get caught up with that. And and and, and the idea is that in our transformation, we realize that in all of these things my first priority needs to be what? To seek the Lord. And as I have this transformation going on and I begin to seek the Lord, I also have this other side of it that, that, that becomes a reality. The things I start to ask for, the things I start to seek, the things I start to, to, to need start to coincide more and more with the things that He wants me to have in order to minister to those around me. This isn't just a pastor or the elders or the deacons. This is for all of us. And so we begin to, I think, of Matthew 7, the idea of prayer. Ask and, and, and seek and knock. And, and if we do so with an attitude of, of, of praising God, blessing God, and, and glorifying Him to meet the needs around Him and be gracious and thankful for the things He's done for us and how He's met our needs, it begins to, to change our priorities. A desire starts to grow in us that we come alongside and we become part of the helping uh, in the sense of of ministering in the church. We see also uh, a growing in the understanding of the spiritual side of things too. The, The Gospel becomes more important to us. The Word of God becomes more important to us. And like I said, we begin to participate in meeting the needs of each other. And so it's a spiritual and a physical, it's kind of a whole picture together. Giving from what God has blessed me with. The book of Hebrews in chapter 13, verse 6, the author writes, Do not neglect to do good and share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. And I think of the early church in the book of Acts and the, the, one of the things that they did was they pulled all their resources together so that everyone would have what they needed. And even to the point of appointing uh, men to oversee distributing resources so that widows and, 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 and certain people in need would have making sure they got something so that they were taken care of. So from the very beginning of the church, that's in Acts chapter 2, 3, and 4, from the very beginning of the church was this idea of community and meeting each other's needs. I'm cautious with, with how I, I get into that. Uh, I've actually had someone to tell me, he says, well, are, are you preaching socialism? And the answer is no, I hope not. I hope I'm preaching Christianity. And, and and Christ and and the idea that when God has blessed us with resources, does He want us to use those to bless others as well as to enjoy them? Is it wrong to enjoy the resources God blesses you, you with? Is it wrong to have a nice home or a nice car? And the answer is no, it's not. But if we have enough resources, there's a point where He says, and bless those around us. As an example, uh, and And uh, we look at these scriptures uh you know in from uh first john and and from James uh James first uh James chapter two verses fourteen through seventeen it says, "What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works, can that faith save him? Now we want to be careful here. James isn't saying that we're saved by our works, but what he is saying is that if we are saved, works will follow as a part of our, our, our transformation, if you will, that changing the way we think about things, the way we see the world will begin to change, and we'll want to minister. There will be works as a product, a byproduct, if you will, of coming into a relationship with the Lord. And so he's, he goes on and he says in verse 15, if a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? And he goes on to say, basically, the idea of faith without works is dead. Now, you may not be the one that can provide for that that day. But what I really see in this, and if you put it all together, what James writes, if I have the means in my pocket and there's a person here that is... Suffering, or I have the means and my resources, or my skills, or my abilities to, 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 to fix something, or whatever, and, and, and I have a, a, a fellow brother or sister that's suffering. God is saying, This is your ministry today. It's not complicated. I don't have to go and, 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 and ask uh, you know, a, a higher authority if I need to do this. I have the authority right here. Scripture is telling me. If you have these means and there's somebody next to you, and, and it, can, it, it doesn't necessarily have to do with just the people in the church either. Coming back to my friend and, and sharing a lunch every day with a, with a homeless person. I've had the opportunity over over many years to share and, 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 and people say, well, isn't there the risk of being taken advantage of? Yep. I would rather err on the, the side of being taken advantage of though than to have erred on the side of, of being selfish or just uncaring. And I have had some amazing experiences. I've had people that have come back in, in and out of my life over a period of time. And I know that I have been taken advantage of. In fact, there's times where the, the phone will ring and, and Kathy will roll her eyes and hand it to me. And it'll be something that has nothing to do with our congregation, but a person who had been a person I had helped. Then we realized, along with 17 other churches in the area, and he walked away wealthy in a sense. I mean, he, you know, he'd done well. Uh, and 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 uh, one of the people that 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 we had help in the church, we thought, well, and this was uh, back in the '70s, you could do this, uh, was to have him help do some work around the church. So what was the first thing he did? He put a ladder against uh, the fence to, to to we were brushing the the fence to get it ready to be painted at our church, and he fell off the ladder. Claimed he hurt his back. Our insurance company actually, actually settled with him. Turns out that he had done this in other places. He was a scam artist. I'd been taken to the cleaners. Well, not just me, the other pastor as well. And and, and so, you know, the tendency is, is sometimes kind of get hard about that. And we actually, you know, the idea was what happens to the next person that comes along who really isn't doing that, who really has the need. And so this idea of, of wanting to have discernment, but at the same time, not wanting to have a cold heart or become cold because of the people who do take advantage of it. And an interesting thing happened. This guy called me again. He knew that I knew that he had scammed me. And he was desperate. He needed to see his dying mother. Said, where is she? Idaho. Need a bus ticket to Idaho. I need, actually, you know, he, he said it the typical way I need the money to get a bus ticket to Idaho. I said, what hospital is she in? What's her name? I called the hospital. The person that he named was there. She was elderly. And yes, apparently she did have a son she was trying to. Get, to get a hold of. Took the risk. But I bought the bus ticket and gave it to him. Even so, I'm off on the bus. Somebody says, Bob, you are well, just the biggest sucker. And I thought, yeah, I think I might be. A couple of years later, I got a call from this. Kathy, I think, he again answered the phone and rolled her eyes, handed it to me, and, and kind of walked away. Like here it goes again. Yeah. And he says, "Don't hang up on me. I just want you, <laughs> want you to know I'm not I, I'm not calling for anything. I just wanted you to know after my mom passed away and having got the chance to see her and and, and went through this, uh, a pastor at the at the hospital came alongside and ministered to me." help helped him get into some kind of a thing. He says, I've accepted the Lord and I just wanted you to know that I see God has... and I'm supposed to find the people that God has used in my life to, to, to help. I needed that. We all need to have those confirmations where you see that people have changed. I even had a Bible turn up missing. I don't know whether it was stolen or, 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 I, or I left it, but actually had somebody call and say, I have your Bible. I asked, told him that he could keep it. He called back a, a, a while later and said uh, that uh, it prompted him to, to attend a, a kind of a rescue mission service, and it went on from there. So I've had the good stories, and, I, and I've had the others where I know that I know, and I've had situations where I have said, no, I can't help you because there is a track record and no change. In other words, no intent to, to but just to, to, to take. Most often for me, if I, if I find someone that need, needs help, I said, we support the rescue mission through our church. I'd be glad to give you a ride. You'd be, uh, you, Well, you may not be surprised how often I get, well, no, that's not what I need. And I'm fine with that, but I don't necessarily at that point reach in and and, and hand out. But I I am still saying the idea is to want to have God's heart in all of this. Not to become hard-hearted, but to be soft-hearted, even to the point of erring on the side of a little too much caring versus not having enough caring. Giving from what God has blessed me with. John writes in the first John chapter two, verses fourteen. Oh, excuse me, find where I am here. Well, I've lost it, so we'll just come back to it. Uh, well, here it comes. It's for chapter 3. By this we know, love, that He laid down His life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in the Word or talk, But in deed and in truth. In other words, let's not just love in the word uh, or, you know, word and talking about it, but to love in, in deed and truth, in action. Active love. Classic example, and I'm not going to go into detail with it this morning, would be Luke chapter 10, the Good Samaritan. A man who had, from a cultural point of view, every reason not to stop and minister to a person who had been robbed and left beaten up on the roadside. But we know the story, most of us, even Christians, people who have never been to church are not Christians. A lot of them know the story of the Good Samaritan. And so, not going into detail, but the idea that here was what we're talking about in action. He saw a man in need He ministered to him on the spot and then got him to a place where he could be ministered to and made sure it would be taken care of and then even came back and double-checked to make sure if it was okay and, and things had been done. All put to his account, it said. Or we can look to Matthew and I'm not going to go into any detail here either, but Matthew chapter 25, verses 34 forty, And we'll be going over this in, in, in more detail uh, as we go through the book of, of Matthew. But it's Jesus and, and, and at the judgment and the separation of the sheep and the goats. And it says in verse 34, "...the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry..." to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Hungry, thirsty, hospitality, clothing. You do it to the least. It's as if you had done it to Christ Himself. What you see here is, is in a sense, as you seek, as you, as you seek after Christ, as you allow the Holy Spirit to work into you and to change you and to transform you, as you read the Word and you study and you become able to more and more and more see the world around you through the lens of Scripture, and you, you realize that some of this stuff that you start to do becomes... Part of your 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 regular pattern of doing things. It's not even something you realize so much that you did. It just becomes a natural response. How awesome it would be if that would would I I look in my own life and say if that would be the case if it's my natural response, you know, without even thinking about it, without hesitation. Now I, I I am careful here. There is no, no ands, ifs, or buts about the reality that, 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 that let's say you are on the lower side of income. Your first responsibility is to minister to the needs of your family and then to your congregation. And there may be a fact that you can't minister directly from your own means to a person that you see on the street. But it is possible that you could redirect them to a church leader and where's the means within that to, to help. Also, the reality of your giving in and of itself, when you give to our church, and I'll go into that in a minute, is, 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 is part of that goes into benevolence. And, and for the very purpose of ministering to people, first within our family, our, our church body, but then even to the outside. You uh, responded to the needs of, of the burnt house here across the street. And we were able to come alongside and help through our benevolence fund. By the way, is the card still on the the bulletin board? The card's on the bulletin board in here of responsive saying thank you. Take a look at it. Proverbs chapter 14 says that we actually honor God when we are generous to the needy. The idea is that we want in our transformation and our changing and our becoming more like that of, of Christ and less like the world. We ask that the Holy Spirit would give us discernment in these matters. And I just tell you that there will be times where you will feel a, a conviction to do something about it. I'm going to encourage you to follow that conviction. That, that prompting. Giving is an act of worship. It's not something that we we preach on often or a lot other than as it comes up in Scripture normally or as an opportunity to start off the new year with an attitude of, of, of changing the way we think about the world around us this morning. But we come to an understanding about how this works. If we are coming from a point of view of Scripture, we understand that what we have has been given to us. Some will say, well, no, I have have a job. I worked for it. I am of of the mind and I I see it in Scripture as as to the reality that God has blessed us with the opportunity to work. And so we we can thank God for our job and the resources that it gives and how it meets our needs. We should be doing that. And as we do, if any portion of it can be used to help others. Asking God for insight. So I, I'm stealing this from Sam Storms actually, but it was a list of different things in reference to giving. And, and he says, You are a manager of what you have. You're not the owner. Look to the scriptures, look to the Holy Spirit to guide you as to how to use your resources. In your giving to your church, into ministering to the needs of those around you, in the ministering of the needs of your family. There are many people who are called, uh, in their families, uh, to collectively get together and minister to their parents who need their help. The, and, and the scripture speaks very clearly to that. In fact, Jesus gets very upset with, with, with uh, those who are, are not doing that. He says, you're, you're doing this and this and this and this and you look great on the outside and everybody's looking at you and saying, wow, you, you're, you're, you're so awesome and you give and you do and, and he says, but your parents are starving. You've missed your first call. We're not the owners of what we have. And so the idea is to say, uh, what are the owner's objectives with the resources that he gives us? How does he want us to use what he gives us? Again, coming back to the Word and studying the Word and praying about it. Desire to work with the intent of doing the best that you can. Not to get a raise or to to get a a higher uh, bonus with your company or whatever it is that you work with. But with the idea of of saying if God blesses me for the, the, the work that I do, then I can help and bless someone else in the process. The idea is, is that we are to become generous givers. And, and the question comes up, well, how much am I supposed to give? And, 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 I, and I was looking at this uh, article again by Sam Stormson. He was talking about, uh, you know, he, he he didn't see the tithe as something that we should be Bombing people with all the time, you need to tithe, you need to tithe you need to tithe, and then he turned around and he says, however, if everybody in our congregation tithe, this is w- probably what would happen within our, the framework of the resources that we would have to work with, but what he was saying was that that, that tithe wasn't the, the 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 line that we as as Christians are to draw now is tithing a a a, a foundational principle, I believe it is because before the law was ever there. We see Abraham tithing to uh, Melchizedek, and and that's a whole story. I'm not going to have to take time to get into, but you can go back into Genesis and look that up. And you see that 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 there was a sense of recognizing him as one who who was to be given to, and and so tithing is a basic principle, but it's not the it's not the the in or the out. Some people are so. St- stricken with their income and, and, and so limited that, that tithing may, financially might not be something they can do. But I've heard it said that, that it's not just the money God's concerned about anyway. What are you doing with your time? Are you using any of it to minister? But anyway, coming back to this this picture of, of, of God's giving to us and, and being faithful in our finances... Uh, again, Sam Storms calls it generous grace-giving. And, and the idea is responding to God's grace in my life, I give as He leads me in, and, and as I pray and as I grow in, in the Lord and I grow in my resources, he, I grow in my, my ability to give and, and share with the Lord's work. And there's a neat thing about the whole picture of this. God has invited us to participate in the work of the ministry. To be a part of His work. The God of all creation has invited us to to come alongside with Him and minister to people. I think that's an amazing thing. We are partners in ministry with God. Well, how much do I have to give? I tell people, Sit down with your budget, reason out an amount, and be faithful to that. I'm not giving you a percentage. I'm just telling you, be faithful to that. I believe God will honor that. And if things change and your finances change and you're able to increase that amount, set a new target. You know, the giving is something that I, this the, your regular giving is something that should be planned and thought out. It's not spontaneous. It should be planned and thought out. And when I first became a Christian, life, I was thinking, okay, I, I see this thing tithe and I, and I and, and I, we didn't have uh, offering plates in our church. We had uh, boxes in the back of the church, and it had to do with uh, had the uh, Malachi verse on it that, you know about ble- God blessing us and the tithe and stuff like that. And, and I was thinking, how do I know how much I'm supposed to give? And I, I tried all. I, I, I so I sat down with the different elders in our church, you know, I, I, you know seeing what they did. And one of them says, uh, "I write the, my my tithe check, and as soon as I have enough money in the bank, I give it." <laughs> you know, another uh, words, he, he, you know, and another one would say, oh, "You tithe on on the gross of everything you get." And another one says, "You tithe on the, the 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 net income you get." And I realized there's a lot of answers here, you know. And so you know, I, I tried to figure out what that meant to me. So I, I, I tried, okay, well, I'll tithe on 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 what's in my checking account at the end of the week. But man, I'll tell you what, I, I became a person who paid my bills on time, <laughs> and and my checking account reflected that. And at the end of the week, and 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 there was one time where I had to, to had been neglectful, and I had to write the check, and I was thinking, oh. But this is what I had decided on the way I was going to do it. And then uh, the pastor shared with me, he says, no, that's not the best way to do it either. And and what he was getting at was, he says, to sit down and and think about it. See what your income is and, and what your general income is and commit to a certain amount. And at times you'll be able to give more. But commit to that certain amount and in faith, stay with it. Generous grace giving. And it's based on the principle that I'm not my own, but I'm bought with a price. Giving is an act of worship and faith. It should be planned and thought out. And my family, the ministries that I am involved with, the church and persons that I come into contact with looking for the opportunities to minister in the Old Testament and I'm not there's a just a, a list of verses but I, I'm just going to kind of put it together in the Old Testament uh, primarily an agrarian uh uh culture uh, you know the growing of foods and, and and stuff and and the farmers for instance when they harvested they weren't they were god set up a way he says you harvest once through leave the corners and the edges so the passersby strangers are coming in the land will have some place to to grab some some nourishment and everybody knew that that was okay to do and and he says When you're done with your harvest, then allow those who have needs to come and to glean the fields. And we see examples of that in Ruth and and Naomi and others in the Scripture. And and it's it's a way God set it up to, to minister. And then there was a whole other side of it, of giving alms, which was above and beyond. All of this was above and beyond the tithe. In the New Testament, we see collections and offerings being taken for benevolence to other areas. From Macedonia and Greece to to those who were in in desperate need in Jerusalem. I find that absolutely amazing. The Gentiles ministering to to Judea, Jerusalem. uh, They're giving and and Paul would say, collect every Sunday a portion. And when when I come, have it ready for me to take to them. And so it's a part of the, the biblical picture of ministering one to another. I have to share again, I have been personally ministered to in, in ways that I have been blessed. And, I, and I'm just picking three out that I, that I share with you. Kathy and I, are, uh, uh, and as we first got to Bible college, I had been all but guaranteed, but it was verbal and not in writing. And I, you know, I'd all been guaranteed work in my field uh, furniture building and refinishing and, and restoration uh, by a company in the in the Bay Area where I went to Bible college, and so I went with all the confidence that that was there. Fixed up my shop, got it all ready to go and and, and stuff. And uh, when I called uh, to to see, you know, let them know I was ready to go, they said, "Well, we don't have anything right now." Oh, okay. we'll call you. Well, nothing happened. And a week later, I called. But we don't have anything right now. So it turns out, the business was uh, going out of business. And they weren't going to have anything right now. (laughs) And all of a sudden, I found myself at Bible college. Married. With a daughter. And a child due, literally at any moment. And no resources, no income, no money. I am one of these people that just don't share those things with other people. I come from a family where that's just not supposed to be done. And I, I struggle. I, figured I, I was becoming obsessed with how I'm going to fix this. How I'm going to fix this. And God was trying to tell me, just rest in me. I will take care of it. And I saw that in His Word. I saw that. I know that the decision to go to Bible college was the right thing. I was confident of that. The decision for Kathy and I to move there, I'm confident of that. The things that He did to get us there, I'm confident of that. But wait a minute. On the day we moved, our car blew up. We had to borrow. You know, my uncle drove my wife because he didn't want her to ride in my 1947 Studebaker truck all the way from, from San Luis Obispo to, to uh, San Jose. My, stupid Baker. yeah. Uh, and, and there's a whole story that goes with that. And, and, uh, the fact that even after we got there, the starter goes out. If you can imagine a nine month pregnant wife pu- pushing the, the button on the floor, the, the clutch and the accelerator, all, you know, all at the same time, the right way as her, her, husband is pushing it down the street for her to pop the clutch so we can get it started, drop her off, park on a hill and all these things were happening. And I'm just, i I'm, I'm confused. I'm trying to figure out how God's going to put it together. One morning, I am on my way to school. We lived right across the street from, from the college. And I tried to open the door. Couldn't get it open. There was a bag of groceries sitting on the doorstep. We don't know who from. We had not told anybody. Although our neighbors could see me pushing the, the truck down the street. They may have guessed. Um, we never did know who did it. A couple of weeks later, stepped out the door. And there was our car in the driveway that had broken down and we'd left in a Tascadero. Nobody ever owned up to who fixed it. We've been, we, we guess and we think we might know, but nobody ever owned up to it. But there it was, fixed. A few weeks later, I get a, 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 a note from the finance office that they wanted me to, they needed to see me in the office. I don't know. Here goes the other shoe. That was just to let us know that there was going to be $100 a month there for us from an anonymous donor. We hadn't shared these needs. But somebody who was listening to God, listening to the Lord, felt prompted to help us and came alongside. We have been blessed so many times. God has given us the opportunity to bless others. So many times. It's a process. It's a pattern. It's a part of being the body of Christ. Ministering one to another. Truly caring about each other. All of this stems from going back to that, that verse in, in, in 1 John chapter 3 where it says that uh, uh, Jesus laid down His life for us. Okay. God has revealed to us His mercy, His love, His provision, His taking care of us, His meeting our needs. And some of you will say, well, what about this person over here? They have all of this. It has nothing to do with I I can think of some very wealthy Christians I know, and I could say, why aren't we all blessed at that level? Until I found out what a responsibility it is to have that level. I'm pretty content where I am. We know that God loves us. He wants us to take the love that He has Poured on us, lavished on us. The grace that He's poured out on us and lavished on us, and to share it as a community. That's why Sam Storms calls it grace giving. As God has graced us, we grace others. Sometimes you're the recipient, sometimes you are the giver. And it's and and, and it all comes from, from the body of Christ working together in us. So, do we have a benevolence fund? Yeah, we do. In, in Matthew chapter 6, it talks about the guys, uh, the, 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 the Jewish men uh, giving their alms and drawing attention to themselves. Again, that's something, the alms would be something above and beyond their tithe. And, and what I suggest to you is, is that Jesus says, no, that's to be done in secret, privately, not to draw attention to yourself. One church that we were uh, know of in, in, in Southern California, at the end of every year, the, uh, a person who was uh, a member of the church—you never saw him very often at church—but he was a member of the church, very wealthy man, and, and he, he would hold a huge check every, on the last Sunday of the year and hand it to the pastor. And it would be whatever the amount the church had spent above and beyond what they had taken in now this church had a two hundred and fifty thousand dollar cushion, so they they were never worried about not having but they were always in the red because the actual day to day giving was 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 not sufficient to take care of the day to day expenses and so at the, and it's interesting it happened at church, but in the back was uh, normally a photographer uh, from the newspaper and a newspaper person, and there would be a picture in the next week the picture in the paper. Him handing this big check, and it would be $16,000, $17,000, it, it was wonderful. It was nice. But you know what had actually happened with that, that? First off, Jesus says that guy got all his reward right there. He drew attention to himself. He was blowing his trumpet, if you will, and announcing his giving. But people in the church realized, oh, we don't need to give. And they either gave someplace else or they just didn't give. Giving is an act of worship. By the way, we give to the rescue mission. We give uh, to uh, Samaritan Purse we, we, and, and, and other ministries that, again, uh, the, the Baptist Haiti uh, uh, mission. Uh, so, that ministering to people's needs, to you know, schools, uh, different things that that they can do to to help those people. So through our missionary giving, through our regular church budgeting, we give. But somebody says, well, what if I you know you know, want to just give specifically? Let's say you had a windfall and you want to give something specifically to a targeted area. You can do that. Use the memo. Maybe you just want to give to the benevolence fund itself and just say. Here's a little bit extra. We'd like the benevolence fund to have this. God, through our giving, is blessed. We are blessed, and like I said, it needs to be an act of worship. And so I want to encourage you this morning, you know, not to to give because of compulsion, not to give because uh, it's it's. it's you know the commandment to have an attitude of wanting to give and ask the lord to give that to you and by the way i know a number of you in this congregation you give uh you're giving here to help support our ministry but i know that many of you also have other areas outside of the, of of this ministry that you target and support and and give to that god has prompted you to be a part of and uh you know so God may ask you to, you know, direct you to to give resources to something very specific in another area. You know, and, I, and I, I'm not asking that all your giving be done here. I'm asking is that as you come to the Lord, use the Scriptures as your lens of looking at the world, and 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 the Holy Spirit prompting you as to your part in it, and let Him direct you as to how much, when, and where. I do believe it's something that you need to wrestle with, to think about, and to plan. And you'll, you'll fall into a, a pattern. You'll fall into a groove. And that uh, it'll become a part of who you are. And it can become a cheerful giver. I was told in one message, I recall, if you can't give cheerfully, you shouldn't give at all. Going back to, to Corinthians chapter 9, about being a cheerful giver. And... Uh, I, I I learned from my mentors in Bible college that that's not true. I do give, at some point, I do the things that are right out of obedience. But I ask that God do it and change my heart so that I do it as an act of worship rather than just obedience. The ultimate act of mercy, grace, and love was a gift that went... Christ on the cross. What God asks of us in return is that we strive to give 100% of ourselves to Him. That's the, the not being conformed to the world, but being transformed that God is working in us. It doesn't happen all at once. It happens in different areas, in different ways, with different people at different times. But the idea is is that we surrender, that we come to Christ and we ask, Lord, create in me a clean heart. Restore to me the joy of Your salvation. Cause me to love You more and to see the world through Your eyes. Thank You for the resources that You give me cause me to use them to your glory in my family, in my church, in my community. The love of God has been great to us. What an awesome God we have. Let's share communion together. I'd ask the usher to come forward. Ask the uh, music worship team to come up, please.